Psalm 26, verse 1. We'll read the first three verses and then we'll move on to somewhere else in a moment. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. Now we've looked last week at how the psalmist David here, he says, judge me, in verse 1. In verse 2 he says, examine me, prove me, and try me. Examine me, prove me, and try me. Now we looked at quite a lot last week, and we don't uh, want to go through too much of that, but the word examine means investigate me, Lord. Scrutinize me. Notice the psalmist is looking for the Lord to scrutinize him. Because when man scrutinizes us, when we scrutinize one another, we find that one man, his moral standards may be greater than another. And we tend to to see then that every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Well, I'm better than him and I do greater than her and and so on. Lord, you scrutinize me. And and it's very dangerous. I remember one time that I sent a photograph online and it was a, a man's upper back and shoulders and it said in big tattooed letters, only God can judge me. And I didn't know who it was, and I sent it. I wrote under it and sent it back, and he will. And it ended up it was my nephew-in-law. It was his back he had got done on his back. And the thing is to say, "Judge me." It's like, Lord, increase my faith. Is one of the most blessed prayers to ask, the most wonderful request. To have answered, but yet it's one of the most dangerous for the Christian in the sense that whenever you're looking for more of God, believe it or not, God will try you. God will examine you, and he will test you, always according to his written word, always. How your life is, your lifestyle, how we walk, we talk, we react, how our personal life is. You know, it's, there was an old preacher was once asked, and actually it was my memory served me right. It was George Whitfield was asked one time about a, a certain man, uh, what his, George Whitfield's um, thoughts were on a certain man, and his reply was, I don't know. I have never lived in that man's house. I have never lived in that man's house. In other words, uh, the church face may be the different face at home, different face. Uh, and is it a face of faith at home the way it is a face of faith in the church. And we don't know that man's house, that man's shoes, that woman. You know, what a wonderful thing to say because it's it's there our true character is. What are we in the private places, in the personal spaces? So it's there that we find that God examines there within our hearts who we are in those areas. So notice, examine was to investigate, to prove, means really to try. It can be the word tempt, but not in this case, God tempteth no man, but to try him. Sometimes the devil will tempt, and when what the devil means for evil, God will mean for good. And God may try you in a thing. 
And then, of course, there was try itself, which was a different word. And if you remember, it meant gives the idea of a smelting of metals, precious metal, gold and silver. Try me, Lord, means you're going to go through something when we say, try me and see. <laughs> see if there be any wicked way in me. And the Lord says, oh, there's wicked way in all of us, but, there, but for the grace of God, we're all one in the same kind. And here we find that he's putting the vessel or the metal through the, 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 the refiner's fire, the trier's fire that the dross may come out, remember, purified seven times through the fire to make the metal purer. The gold becomes more expensive. The silver becomes pure. And it's like an old Puritan one said, man is like a silver bell. The harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. And the silver gives a, a, a distinctive ring of a musical instrument, the, the purer the silver is. So when we're tried, it's the pure, the refining of the faith of the silver that when you're smitten, you'll come out ringing with a clearer tone. A better sound will come. So God examines us to see what we are. God knows what we are, but you and I need to know what we are. God examines us to see what we are. God proves us to find what we have. And God tries us to refine us to make us what he wants us to become. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And let your eye run down to verse 5. So the psalmist is saying in Psalm 26, examine me, prove me, try me. And here in 2 Corinthians 13, now post-cross, then the new covenant, he says in verse 5, examine yourselves. Paul tells us, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Now, we have to look at this for a moment. From Psalm 26 and verse 2, the psalmist saying, examine me, O Lord. Now in the new covenant, the, covenant, the words of God is, is in our hand. The word of God is in our hand. But if it's only in our hand, then it does not direct our lives. The word of God in the new covenant is where now? It is written within our hearts. The Ten Commandments were written in two tables of stone. They were broken by Moses and rewritten again. But the two Tables of, of stone that had the covenants in them. They were set there for the nation of Israel to see. I believe in the Ten Commandments today. I believe they should be in stone in schools and colleges. I believe in them still being up there that all may see. Here is the standard, the moral commandment of God. And yet when they walk away from it, it's not in their hearts. It's, they walk according to the loss of their own flesh, the loss of their own mind, the pride of their own life. And, and the commandments are still on the wall, but they must see, they must read. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think I've said to you before that, you know, some parents put the the rules of the house on the fridge and the, the duties to do with a fridge magnet and there's what every child maybe that's is what their 
they're meant to be doing. And if they haven't been brought up used to be doing these chores, they read it, they see it, they say, yeah, okay. And they know it, but they go away from it. They walk away. It's not in their heart. It's not in their will to do it. Not in their mind to carry it out. Such was the Ten Commandments written on stone. This is what God expects, but points to us and shows us our need of a Savior. Points to us and says, you have failed. You have fallen. You're a sinner. And mankind walks away, but still we need that standard written. So I believe in the Ten Commandments, but I believe those commandments are written by the Spirit in our hearts through the Word of God, the preaching, the teaching of the Word, that we live according. I also uh, uh, believe with all my heart, if you and I were able to keep the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, and temperance, if we were to keep that 24-7, which, which I don't know if any of us would do, 24-7, seven days a week till Christ's return. I, I, I believe that is us keeping the commandment of God. It produces the fruit of our lives. See, the, the, the law of the Lord was perfect, converting the soul. But we fail. It was weak through the flesh. Through you and I, we fail at it. So Christ comes and keeps that, which we cannot keep. The perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. We can have the word in our hands, but we need it in our hearts. Children who are brought up in the way that is in the, the house rules, as it were, on the fridge, they know what they have to do, the day they have to do it, what's expected. You know why? Because it is within their hearts. They know it. And such are those who are born again of the Spirit. Our Heavenly Father tells us no longer is His commandments written in stone, but are written upon our hearts within our lives. So when he examines us, he examines us through the word of God. Paul tells us, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. The idea here is, is, you know, Christ is in you. Brother, sister, wherever you go, Christ is in you if you're saved. If you're blood washed, if you're born again of the Spirit, Christ is in you. And that place where we go, where we should not be going, the same things we say which we should not be saying, or whatever it is, it's Christ is in us and He is partaking with us. So examine ourselves, you see, whether we be in the faith. Notice. To examine yourselves is to be examined by the indwelling Spirit of God according to the Word of God. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1 and verse 23. If any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. How many people this morning looked into the mirror? None of you has looked in the mirror this morning. Who was afraid to look into the mirror this morning when they got up? That's a bit better, isn't it? Yet when you walk away, that image in the mirror disappears, but the real you continues on with it. What is that real you? What is that lifestyle? What is that living? Who do you see when you look in? And every time we see and look into that mirror, here's the threefold enemy of the Christian. 
the blood washed. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world wants to entice you. I'll be honest, the world holds very little sway in me as in temptation-wise because I'm living in grace every day. And I'm not saying that proudfully. I'm saying it because I've just... I can deal with the world. I can deal with the devil, you know. The devil's defeated at Calvary, and I know that. Do you know that? He's defeated Christ conquered him on the cross. So so the devil really doesn't hold much of a sway. It's myself I'm concerned about. It's me. Just this morning I was praying and you know one of those times the usual sort of prayer but I was really feeling it and meaning it and says, Lord, give me more of you. Give me more of you. And it came like a bolt of lightning to me. And I already knew it, but it was like fresh revelation to me. Son, you don't need any more of me. You need less of you. You don't need any more of me. You need less of you. Brothers and sisters, the most slender portion of Christ is more than sufficient to meet the greatest need of man. The most slenderest portion of Christ is more than sufficient to meet the greatest need of man. Here we find that a man looks in the glass, the, the actual natural face of him in the glasses, that's who you really are. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Thank God that he has paid our price. In Exodus chapter 30, uh, read it when you go home, and in verse 18, it speaks of the laver in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Then you would have it later in the temple in Jerusalem. But the laver was for the priests to wash their hands and their their feet in. So they would come in before they enter into the holy place and the high priest would go on into the holy of holies. They had this laver and it was for washing. So it was made of brass or polished brass, which was mirrored. That's what they used for mirrors. It wasn't the glass that we have today. It was polished brass. And as they washed their hands in it, they saw their face or their feet from it. They saw their feet. And so what the priests were saying is, we need clean hands and clean feet before we enter into the presence of the Lord. For outside that, we can't go into him with uncleanness. So they're washing themselves with the water, but they look and see their own reflection. (laughs) They're seeing their own self. Old depraved man looking back at them. Every time you look in the mirror, it's old depraved woman. Not a young depraved woman, but old depraved man and woman. And the priests, they would wash their hands and their feet. Their feet for where their life would bring them. And their hands for the works that they had employed them to do. Now, you turn to Psalm 24 with me for a moment. 
Psalm 24. Notice what it says here in verse 3 and verse 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul on the vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Unrighteousness from the God of his salvation. Isn't that mighty? Now, when you're thinking of this labor and these priests washing before they ascend, as it were, into the holy place, the hill of the Lord, we must wash. Look and see this. We're in here. We're washing by water. But, you know, when we're looking, we're seeing who we really are. But we're cleansing ourselves before the priest would go further on into the presence, as it were, into the hill of the Lord. And can you see here why the psalmist is saying, who can do this but the one who has clean hands and a pure heart? It has to be those who have been washed thoroughly and prepared for it. And so when we read this, it brings us then to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you'll turn over. It's more like a Bible study this morning, but sure it's good, isn't it, to go through the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. Just let your eye run down. Paul goes through a whole list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let your eye run down to verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are. What does it say? Ye are. What are you? What were you? All those things. The sinner the depraved. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Those who have come to the cross in repentance of sin, turned from their ways and followed Christ and have claimed him and what he has accomplished on the tree, the shedding of his blood, and he paid our debt in full. Those of us who have received him as Lord and Savior, we are washed. He didn't say you will be washed. Work with me here, but you are. But you are sanctified. What are you? Not ye will be, you are. You are sanctified. Oh, but I failed. Yes, we all fail. I'm not saying we should not live a godly life. We should do. But we're sanctified. We're washed and we're sanctified. And what's the next one? But ye are justified. You know what justified really is here? You are declared righteous by your Father. You're just as if you had never sinned. Why? Because of the power of the blood of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, what a gospel. 
What a word. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, Paul says to us, that is the church, the blood-washed church, that ye may that he, the Lord Jesus, the Spirit, may sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of the water, of water by the word, pardon me. So now we're at the liver. Where is the Christian's liver this morning? There's it. There's your liver. And every time you read it, and every time you look into it, the washing, you know, brother, sister, when you're in those places of work, and maybe even family, and the air is blue and a few other colors, and you're polluted in your mind by the, the toil of the day and the things that are around you and the people who you've met, and it's just, oh, so ungodly, and you feel so carnal, and you're already washed in the blood. You're already set apart. You're marked. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost under the day of promise. You're already His. You're already declared righteous, but in yourself, you just feel that you've been dirtied and soiled by the things of the world. You're polluted. Go to the liver. Start to wash. Start to wash your hands and your feet that which you've been employed in and where your feet have taken you that day. Go to the liver and read and let it wash your mind. It's a, 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 Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we should be renewing our minds. Renewing them according to the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 13, please. He says, examine yourselves. Now, I think this is important because Self-examination cannot be in comparison with another Christian, but in comparison only to the Word of God. Some people feel overwhelmed and underemployed or overlooked because they examine themselves according to the other Christians around them. He or she can do this or that, and I'm not able. Well, then that's not your calling. Find it and do it with all your heart. And it's just as important in the body of Christ. Here we find we examine ourselves. We must ask, what saith the Scriptures? What does the labor show us and how do we fare in the mirror held in front of us, which is the Word of God? Notice, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. That means discern, are, are you genuine? Look, I'm not asking you what other people say. Listen, see if I was to list the amount of people that talk about me, I would have a list from here to Dublin and back again. <laughs> when we get out of Brexit, it may be a wee bit more difficult with the border, but we'll see. <laughs> But it's not about what people say. 
Yes, we live according to the Scripture. Not everybody's going to love you nor like you, but it's not about them. It's about who you are before God. It's your lifestyle. It's not you compared to me and me compared to you. It's not about you saying, well, you know, I can stand up here and preach, and you can't. You may do things that I can't do. It's not about these things. We're talking about the inner man. We're talking about the inner woman. We're talking about where we are with God. Is the word written in our hearts or is it a cross for our backs? Listen to what Spurgeon says. A cross inside the heart, my friends, is one of the sweetest cures for a cross on the back. Being saved to some people, it's a drudge and it's a dredge. The face is as long as a lurking spade or a horse coming out of a fridge. (laughs) Christ gives us joy in our life. The joy of our salvation. Christ places his spirit in us. Gives us the word to live with, to live by. He puts a spring in the step. Yes, we're tried. Yes, we're tested. Yes, we go through the furnace. But we always, when we're trusting in him, come forth as gold. Some trials are so hard, and some are so long, and some are short. Nevertheless, they're trials. Let God have his way. Yield to what he is saying in the word and how he is leading you, and see what he'll do. Here it means to recognize as genuine. Paul is saying, look, examine yourself with the word. When he says examine yourselves, he's not asking you to examine me and me examine you. Yes, we must try the spirits and see if they be of God. Yes, we have to look after the church. And yes, we have to make judgments on things. Yes, that's important. But I'm talking about the inner man here. The inner woman. And he's saying, examine yourself. And before God and the Word of God, are you genuine? Are you genuine? Look, I don't mean this to sound hard because it's sad, but on Thursday I buried my aunt. And she was churchy at the best. Good living woman. She didn't really go out and do things that are terribly sinful. But she was just churchy. She knew church, but I don't believe she knew Christ. I hope she did. I've spoken to her many times. But I buried her on Thursday. And I, when, I, when I had just done the, a little bit about her life, I had to... More or less do two meetings. I had to shut that off there and then preach the gospel to those who were there. Because you need to be saved. Aaron took his first funeral when I was away a fortnight ago. And how much easier is it when the person is saved and knows the Lord and went on to be with God, which is far better. 
genuine in their faith. Genuine is that produce fruit in their lives. and their, their speech is about Christ. There's some people and there is no speech about Christ. There is no talk about Christ. It's always about either football or, or movies or pop stars or something. Where is Christ in it? Where is he? Some of ourselves. If we get a kick out of going to the, uh, the latest rock concert, I don't get it. I'm just being honest. I just don't get it. I couldn't stand in it. I couldn't stand in it. You know why? Because Christ delivered me from it. Notice, he says, except if Jesus Christ, know ye not at your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. The idea of reprobate here is a strong word, but it really means except you, you fail the, te- the test that God puts you in, or you fail it according to the word, then you're not his. You're not his. I didn't need people when I got saved to ram it down my throat that I lived for God. Oh, I need, needed and still need to be educated by the Word and led by the Word, but I didn't need people to tell me to give the vices up. I didn't need them to do that. I started reading this and started going, I was a I was at church morning and night. I just wanted more of it. I went to meetings. I I just found that my strength was in this one who had come and rescued me from the depths of despair. I didn't need people to come and sit beside me and rhyme at me. You're doing this wrong and you're doing that. I I don't need them to judge me. Christ showed me. Self-examination must be discerned by an open and honest heart. Not self-deceiving. Because we can't deceive ourselves, you know that. You know, Luke chapter 18 brings the mind of the Pharisee coming into the temple with the sinner. You know, and the Pharisee was, God, I thank you that I am not as a sinner here. I pay my tithes and I, blah, blah, I do this. And I go to CET on a Sunday morning. And I go to church on a, uh, uh, on a Sunday night. And the sinner just smites his breast and says, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. The heart. And the Pharisee deceives himself. It's so easy for people to look at others in a life and say, you know what, you're just such sinful man. You're not living right. Let's help brothers and sisters, by the way. Let's help them along. Let's encourage them. It's so easy to tar over them and point fingers at people. We don't need that. What we need is to say, the word of God says, let me help you, brother. 
Let me help you, sister. Let me love you. Puritan Robert Lighton. Listen to what he says about men and examination. Men compare themselves with men, and readily with the worst, and flatter themselves with that comparative bitterness. This is not the way to see spots, to look into muddy streams of profane men's lives, but look into the clear fountain of the word, and there we may both discern and wash them and consider the infinite holiness of God, and this will humble us to the dust. Let me just put it in a nutshell. Here's what he says. We compare one with another to see how holy we are. He says, no. He says, because you know what you do? You look at the one that's worse than you to make yourself feel better. (laughs) Come on, now you're not going to look at someone there who seemingly lives the holy life and is doing great before God. Oh, praying up a storm and preaching the word or whatever, you know. And we we don't say, well, I'm going to measure myself with that one. Oh, there's a man there who's had a a failed marriage or there's a woman there who's uh, had a terrible time and she used to sell her body in the streets before she made a profession of salvation in Christ and, and I'm just going to stand and look at them. See how great I am. God forgive you. No. The Puritan says, we go to muddy streams to wash out the spot. He says, no, go to fountain of clear water and it'll show you all the spots where they are. And this is what he says then. He says, let us examine ourselves in the infinite holiness of God. The infinite holiness of God. Brother, sister, grab it, will you, this morning? The infinite holiness of God means the unending, the non-ceasing, the everlasting holiness. In other words, there's no darkness in him at all. Now, will me, not the man who's the preacher and the one who's doing, seemingly doing well in God and all those things. No, no. Let us go to the holiness of God. Examine ourselves. You know what it'll do? He says it'll humble us all to the dust. Every one of us would turn to dust in his presence. Do you know how you and I are going to stand on that day when we stand before God? We're going to stand robed in the righteousness of Christ. For he alone hath clean hands and a pure heart to enter into the holy place. Even the high priest of Israel was a sinner. The priests of Rome are sinners. All priests outside of that are sinners. The priesthood of the body of Christ are just sinners, saved by the matchless grace of God. That's who we are. I'm going to close this. Thank you for your attention. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
Let your eye run down to verse 23. For we will be coming around the table just to break bread after this. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now notice this. Examine yourself. Sometimes we can look at this and say, and I may be turning one or two things on their head here, so listen to it closely. Examine yourself, it may be flipped on its head a little here, because if we truly examine ourselves, what we have just concluded in our meeting this morning is that none of us are worthy. Not one of us. And the only time we can be worthy is in Christ. We are already washed. We are sanctified. We are justified, just as if we never sinned. We are declared righteous. Now, if for someone walking in an open course of sin, we urge you through the word of God that you live right, that your conversation or your lifestyle be right before God and let this mirror your life. But coming around the table, sometimes God's people are their own worst enemy. And they may be demeaning the power of the blood of Christ. Now listen, this is taken from the New Covenant in Jeremiah 31. Let me just read a little bit. Time is flying. I just want to do this and finish this. I don't want to do a third morning on it. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. The Lord says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. That's what we have just read, the breaking of bread, the drinking of the cup. Behold, as days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, let me just read verse 34 as we finish this bit. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I remember their sin no more. Here's three quick points for you to study when you go home. First of all, first of all, the word of God here in our heart transforms us, transforms us. Verse 33. 
But this shall be the covenant that I will make up with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. So that transforms us. We are renewed by the word of God in our hearts. Secondly, in verse 33, he lives in us in the new covenant. He lives in us and will be their God and they shall be my people. He lives in us. And thirdly, in verse 34, he cleanses us. For I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Christ dying on the cross, when he cried, it is finished. It was pet and full. Everything was done. Pet and full. Look, 1 Corinthians 11 and 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Self-examination here does not or is not to keep one away from the table. That's not what it's for. Christ died that you may come to the table. You're already washed, sanctified, and justified, declared righteous before God, just as if you had never sinned. Yes, examine your heart. Get it right with God and break bread, brother. If you're a believer... Here's the order of it. It's not to keep one away from the table, but to help one discern the right way to come to the table. Why? Because look what he says. Let your eye run down. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, he says in verse 29, eateth and drinketh damnation himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let me tell you what he really saying here. That Christ died on the cross. The body of the Lord was broken. His blood was shed. He took our sin, pet it in full. He took our sicknesses and nailed it to the tree. Everything that was against us, the full wrath of God, was poured out upon him. So this morning, brother, he says, sister, he says, examine your heart. Well, Lord, I'm not right. None of you are. Repent in your heart and get right with God. Put it behind the cross, under the blood, and break bread this morning. Because if you're waiting to be perfected in yourself, you're going to never break bread. So I finish with this. Your unworthiness is covered by his worthiness. Your unfaithfulness is nullified by his faithfulness. Your failure is nothing to his perfection. Your weakness is superseded by Christ's strength. Your inability is, comp is complemented with his ability. Your sin is washed under his blood. Your sickness has been borne by him on the cross in his own body. And your debt has been paid in full. Examine yourself. Lord, I'm unworthy to come to your table. But I know you see me perfected in your son. I'm going to break bread and remember him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but many are sick and weak and die. Yeah, because we're not fully realizing the power of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We have, we have set the power of the cross down and we're setting it down for man's tradition, for religion and for all those lovely wee things we like to add on to it. Listen, there's still power in the blood of the Lamb this morning. Amen. Break bread this morning.
a thorough examination proves that you should break bread. Get in your heart right with God if you're saved. Glorify Him. Amen.